Hi, my name's Bree, and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I have a lot of questions. Who are you people? No, really, who are you? That's a great question, Bree. That's like a crazy loaded question. Ooh, that is a great question. It's an interesting question. That's probably a really good question. Ooh, that's an excellent question, Miss Bree. Oh, that's a deep question. It's a good question. <laughs> it's like, what is the meaning of life? Fuck if I know. Any more questions? Oh, yeah, Bree? I have a lot of them. I've never been asked that question before. Does anyone really know? Well, I'm here to find out. I'm Bree, and this is the Bree Search Project. Hello and welcome. This is my very first interview of the podcast, and my very first guest was kind enough to come on and help me work out some kinks. Don't worry, the audio quality improves dramatically in the next few episodes. My guest is Rob Gross. He is the Vice President of Marketing at BMG in Los Angeles. He has worked with various artists like The Killers, The Struts, The Rolling Stones, and countless others. He has become a friend and colleague over many years and many more random shows we've attended together. And what I respect so much about Rob is that throughout his vast and successful progression of his career in the music industry, he never strays from being absolutely true to himself. We jump right in, so I hope you enjoy my chat with Rob Gross. Hello? This is totally indicative of our relationship Mm -hmm. from the get-go, is that we can't figure out how to make (laughs) make the... Thing no, we literally broke stuff like right <laughs> off the bat like perfectly good computer no sound from the beginning i'm like wow is your volume on because step one i know i just turned 40 but way to make me feel super fucking old <laughs> well it seems to be working so we're working we'll see how it goes um hi hi how's it going it's it's fine it's it's as good as it can be uh under the circumstances um i'm working from home in a walk-in closet that is soundproofed so it's what are you doing during these hard circumstances it's kind of crazy because people can't tour or go to record stores or um you know promote their album properly like what's the point of like booking a fucking billboard if no one's driving so there's like just layers upon layers of actual shit we have to wade through to like it's almost like relearning how to be a music person it's kind of nuts i think it's kind of relearning how to be a human person that's very true like i it's it's nuts like you get up in the morning and i've never ever used like i hate using video calls in conferences i refuse to ever do it and um i much prefer to travel and just see you in person now that's literally what i'm doing basically eight to ten hours a day i'm looking at people that i would normally look at in my office which is totally normal but now i'm looking at you like in your living room on your patio i get to see who's rick it's so bizarre because i get to see who i work with that's like rich (laughs) it's like aha i knew you were rich and now i know Uh right that's a big aha moment yeah, you know what's crazy? I mean, obviously, the whole like seeing people in their living rooms thing is weird for everyone. But like seeing the newscasters, seeing the people, it's giving people a different look into celebrities' lives too. Yeah. Like somebody was talking the other day that people are still putting out all this content, right? Because they're mm-hmm. terrified that they're going to lose whatever connection and fan base they have. Um, but it's also like they're they're putting out content that 
they don't have access to the same kind of glam that they did. And so <laughs> it's like not having any makeup and not having wardrobe and not being as shiny. And I don't know. I hope it, I hope it kind of brings everybody down to the same level. I think so. I mean, did you watch the SNL from home? No, my mom okay. asked me if I watched it today and I haven't. It's wild because like, it's not, it look, it is by far like not the best episode of SNL. It's by far not, it's not the worst, but it's, it's pretty bad. It's Tom, it's Tom Hanks hosting it, but he's not in any skits. So you see him at the beginning and then you see him at the end. And oh, that's true. That's they, funny. they actually, something that was really smart, but they didn't, it, I don't think it worked. If, to me, it felt so fucking weird was that during um, weekend update, which you know the two of them are just in their respective homes. Michael Che's grays are coming in because he can't have access to hair dye, <laughs> like, but, 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 which is fine, right? What's what was wild was that they um, they they put in they had people that were like not on the video, so it'd say like in a Zoom chat that were just watching live time. So there was like probably seven to eight, ten people that were laughing, and it just felt like oh, a, interesting. It, it was real, but it felt like a 50s sitcom in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like it felt like a laugh track, so it felt really weird and forced. And That's so funny. They, they really tried, but it just like – I mean, you know what? First time, maybe they do this again in a few weeks and then we see where we're at. But like it, you were in Tom Hanks' kitchen, like super strange. Yeah, like you're, you're getting introduced to your idols in a whole different kind of platform. That's funny though, because I watch, I watch The Daily Show in the morning, every morning like news um, because I can't – Sure. To watch the real news so i watched the daily show and they're doing social distancing hour from home and he's like doing it from his couch which is great but there's no laugh track and so it's funny because he'll hit a punchline and it's just like silent and you can tell he's a stand-up comedian he's used to doing it in the studio with a live audience and it's funny watching the jokes land without an audience to laugh at them because it's just like ah oh, that was you can't laugh at your own okay cool <laughs> like, totally. moving on. I mean no no no, no. It's bizarre the weirdest of the weird and I implore you to get on Hulu and watch this right after we're done or fuck it dur <laughs> d during is um, is WWE because they are trying so hard to like make it act like make it seem like nothing has happened like we understand this is weird whatever but like the wrestlers come down and there's no audience right so they come down and they're wrestling in their performance center in Orlando but like some of them are better at it than others some of them just like they understand the situation they've read the room others are coming out and like pretending like they're still like there's a pomp and circumstance to it like you know feeding off the crowd and it's like we yo totally we all know that nobody's in there. There's no, but you can hear the echo of like the body bounce that's off so the ring. Bizarre. It's it's the most bizarre. And if you want to see beyond the most bizarre, you need to see WrestleMania this year because they actually went out and made like art, like film noir art pieces as matches for like several matches. They were fucking incredible because like wow. you don't. It's like they're doing everything they can to entertain. I mean, honestly. When your back's up against the wall, you make some really unique content. But for the most well, part, it's but absolutely that's, trash. That's very true. And what's happening kind of across the board, I think, it's just like how can we produce content six feet apart from each other? And I think right. it's very interesting the things that are coming out. But to your point, I haven't seen the, the WWE, but I heard that they were considered essential. <laughs> their, mean, business, their business is still going on. 
that's so, uh, there are so many factors at play there that keep that alive. You know, Linda McMahon, the CEO, was Trump's small business advisor for two years. Um, <laughs> they paid eighteen point five million dollars the other day to Rick DeSantis out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. For like a super pack. It's like, oh, cool. Now all of a sudden dudes in their underwear, like, you know, grappling are an essential business. So, hey, look, it is. But it's also theater, right? And it's theater without an audience. And so it's just like, then you're completely changing the entire scope of the genre, right? Because like you said, Mm -hmm. these characters are used to interacting with other people. (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. Like It's it's days of our lives in your underwear. (laughs) exactly what it is it's exactly true now they're gonna start doing soap operas with the live audience that'll be the next i hope see that they're they're not that we're talking about this is not a wrestling podcast but um, (laughs) they're no but i want to talk about florida with you so we'll we'll get there we'll get there but if you do want to watch this is also florida but it's jacksonville where i went to school but aew which is their rival um competitor a much smaller kind of startup but they have like some legends and some big guys like on the come up and from other promotions they did it right they pre-recorded like i think two months worth of material they saw it coming and then at ringside they have like the good guys and the bad guys and they're like fake gambling on the matches so that there's crowd noise there's things happening it feels it's actual theater it's like layered theater where like the wwe is just like here are two people wrestling and it's like quiet it's so strange you forget how much you and that kind of ties into music too where it's like i'm so desperate for a show right now i would see anything anything literally anything just to be is what this is teaching us more about like the way the way people produce content any of it music or video or tv whatever we had gotten to a point that we were so immediate it was so instant gratification kind of like i'm putting out i'm I'm releasing it tomorrow it's gotta be fast and then when this happened then you ran out of stuff so quickly because you haven't been filming all along you haven't been shooting docu-style coverage of everything and then holding on to it and so i think now people are coming to a harsh reality of like we don't have anything to cut together because we only plan on shooting immediate release type material yeah because like you know the wwe is under contract to fox for smackdown which is the show on friday night that 49 shows a year out of the 52 because there's no off season 49 shows are contractually obligated to be live that's nuts so they obviously like didn't know this pandemic was coming and so they're backed up against the wall in so many ways but it's like i mean look at you know you know i fear for my friends that work for agencies and 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 promoters and you know bar owners and bartender i mean everybody basically but specifically those people because bands can't make a living like you can only record material for so long without taking it to the stage Right. Like you're, you're literally just preaching to your choir. There's only so far that like recommends it if you like, or ad buys through right. third party, right. like, you know, th- running a digital ad campaign. There's only so far, so many people that will click on that Facebook ad. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to run out of attention span. And two, like we're learning now what a weird, albeit super fucked up symbiotic relationship all of this has with each other, right? Like the bands Mm -hmm. putting out the music and the venues and the bars and the event spaces and the content, you know, like you can't have one without the other. And when everything shuts down, there's a trickle down effect of going, Mm -hmm. okay, you can't do this. And so then we can't do this. And so then we're all paralyzed. Totally. I mean, look at like 
look at Coachella, right? So Coachella is totally getting canceled in September. Like, there's no way this is happening in 2020. 100%, yeah. Well, so, I called that in March. The first time you told me about it, I was like, there's no way. Yep. Oh, it, it's like the, I went back through texts with friends where it's like, we're totally going to South by Southwest. Don't even worry about it. It's my, it's my mm-hmm. 10th year in a row. It's totally happening. Yeah. Okay, cool. Whatever. I forgot that it happened while it was the week it was happening. So like, but like my point is that look at what it does to the whole, the socioeconomic situation that oh, Coachella, yeah. Coachella, and then by default now stagecoach is not happening. So you literally right. lose out on a whole month basically more in setting up and taking down. So let's say five weeks that the Coachella Valley and all the neighboring towns, areas, Joshua Tree Park is probably getting less attendance because there's no runoff. And now it's closed, obviously. But I mean, that's, you know, it affects an entire region of a state by doing that. It affects the airlines that are coming in. It affects like, I mean, the things, you know, we always thought were the enemy, like the oil companies and things like that, but it affects people Mm -hmm. driving in. It affects the gas stations, people buying snacks and beer and whatever. It's insane what this has done. But, and then, you know, more than anyone for, as from a marketing perspective, I mean, South by is kind of the kickoff, but Coachella for Mm -hmm. sure, our festival season in general, like South by kind of kicks off festival season and then we ramp up Coachella stagecoach Bonnaroo life is beautiful yeah. what's the one in Bottle Rock the, Bottle the Rock, one that's yeah. up there like and then you know it just goes on from there there, there are people who like their entire marketing plan is based around Coachella totally. their entire uh year's work of putting together like an influencer house or whatever it is um yeah. is based around those two weeks it's literally so, every it's everything and like now and even more pinpointed it's it's around the first weekend because that's when all the party houses happen and all the fashion blogs are there and all the things that like you and I don't really give a shit about but that's right. That's what's massively important to a lot of these companies that, that that pour the millions and millions of dollars into the local economy. Now it doesn't exist. So <laughs> it's just so fucked on so many levels. The cool thing about this, and you were touching on this earlier, is that the, the creative aspect of what it's bringing out is just unparalleled. And like, you know, one of our one of our buddies who I, you know, I, I'm gonna highlight here and is continuing to do a phenomenal job is Billy Rafool. Billy mm-hmm. Is honestly, if he I would love his content, it's so kind of refreshing and silly. No, it's amazing. And like that, the thing about Billy is that I don't know if it's him or it's you know, Alex or Zach or Kevin or the guys on his team as well, but let's just give them all credit for it. Was that they basically they're like, okay, cool, we have to cancel our tour, we're gonna tour around my parents' property and like make tour t shirts. And like today, I'm playing in the barn, today, I'm playing in like my childhood bedroom. Now he's going on tour with support acts that they're like he started today (laughs) it's fucking wild and it's like but that's the kind of ingenuity like nobody you know i I know he signed to a major label obviously i worked there with him for three years but you know this is not this is not major label thinking this is the thinking of an artist that could fully thrive independently but is you know in a place at a major label where he's got that support and that's amazing for him but fuck that it just blows my mind and then he backs it up with the music but i mean the fact that he thought of this, executed it. I mean, and I told him this too, like I'm using that as marketing. Like I'm like, Hey, bands I work with now, this is insane. Look at this. You should do, don't do this, but do a version, do your version of this. This is, it's just next level. It's been interesting watching the immediate kind of shock 
come over everyone because it was nobody had time to prepare, right? Like nobody had something in their pocket. So it's been it's been interesting to watch people scramble. And, you know, when festival season got canceled, when everybody was quarantined, then you Hotel Cafe is doing uncanceled and they're doing a whole series of people broadcasting from their living rooms of a whole concert series of people yeah. that like you probably wouldn't get to see otherwise, you know, total or, or, and, and again, we know this better than anyone. It's like, that's someone that might've played the side room at hotel cafe at 7 PM on a Tuesday night. And you're like, exactly. I'm going to be getting tacos at that time. I'll be at Trejo's, but I won't be at, I, I hotel, will not cafe. Be at hotel cafe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be there later. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly, that probably, 10. sure. That ten, but, but that—that's like that—that's the brilliance of it, I guess. I mean, it's like we have to kind of like deal with what we've been given, and it's some artists are gonna, you know, are gonna really thrive during this, and some artists are going to really, really struggle and suffer. Well, and I think it's a testament to the people you're seeing people struggle to put out content, but you're also seeing people at their truest form. You're seeing what they can actually do alone by themselves. And I'm going to shout out another, some of our mutual favorite people is Nightly. I've been watching their lives um, in the basement. And it's cute to like, I mean, I think they're super talented, but like they're quarantined together and they're still doing the same thing. You know, like that's really truly who these people are. And it's kind of refreshing and comforting to see that, you know? No, but those those dudes again, same manager. So like maybe there's a common thread here. Not just shouting <laughs> shouting out my buddy Kevin here a little bit, but also Spellman's on on his game. He's on his game. Um, but also you know he he's where he works with these artists that just fucking get it. And like the nightly guys, like they promoted it, so it didn't just pop up out of the blue because there's so much mm-hmm. shit to wade through. Look at your Instagram. It's like just who's live, who's yeah, live, live, who's live, 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 live. Totally. And that's, and that's underselling it. So it's like you have, yeah. to, you have to cut through somehow and they've done that. And then on top of that, I, I tuned in the other day and they were like cutting Joey's hair and then like they were <laughs> – <laughs> they were threatening to, like, so to cut Carl. Like they, uh, Joey is a golden retriever named Carl, and they were <laughs> Carl's next. And like half the video was like focusing on Carl. <laughs> Carl was like so happy to watch, like tail wagging to watch his guy get his hair cut. Yeah. So it's like, wait, this is awesome. Like I know all these people, I know that dog, but I'm still watching this because like I miss my friends. You know, it's like it's really, yeah. it's really cool to to see that. And I guess for people that don't know them, it's like, oh shit, we're in. We're in so-and-so's living room and there's his dog. And like, right. look, it's like sometimes it's like the wild and stupid shit that's going to that's gonna cut through and resonate. And sometimes it's like a person, an acoustic guitar, a cup of coffee, and you're just sitting there and like belting it out and making it really special. I, it's just it's, – it's so weird who's kind of rising to the top and who isn't. It is. It's a very strange thing. And I think – I mean I hope – and it's kind of indicative of what I'm seeing is that people are gravitating towards real and true and honest more than overproduced, shiny, fancy things yeah. because that doesn't exist. And I think people are kind of learning. I hope that this is sticking with people of, of like learning what's real and what's not. And I don't know, like it's more comforting to see somebody in their home environment than trying to be something that they're not, you know, like you can just tell. And I think it's a, it's a weird window that we're all getting into see into each other's lives right now. So better, better or worse, for better or for worse. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Well, it's like, look, I, I got tired of staring at myself with like this crazy man beard and I, <laughs> I, I shaved my entire face off yesterday. I haven't done that. Oh, no, you look like you're 11. It's great. I do. I do look like I'm 11. 
No, I think I think everybody's freaking out about not only their appearance, but they're getting bored with themselves. And I read yesterday that one of the things that's selling out online is hair dye. People are a, not like having to to experiment with their own uh, styling techniques, but like wanting to because they're bored and alone for a month. So they're like, yeah, I'll dry my hair pink. No big deal. And so people are flipping out. I think it's a sense of control thing, too. It's like I can edit this about myself and I can. I can control right. this if I can control nothing else, you know? Totally. Totally. I mean, you know, on the, on the flip side, it's, I, I posted that photo and my, my, my hairdresser was like, I cannot wait to cut that fucking thing <laughs> off of your head. And I'm like, yeah, well that makes two of us. Yeah. Well, um, you got a month look, to wait, sir. Oh, at least. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it, but I mean, look, here's what's really sad, right? Is that I'm supposed to be at, um, six wait yeah six pearl jam concerts this month oh, and yeah. i i turned 40 two weeks ago and i would have hit my 40th show oh, next week no. yeah next oh. week and then um after that uh i was gonna go see faith no more twice oh. at the bank so that now that's not happening and um there's so, like failure is doing three shows in july i doubt that's happening like it's just yeah i mean i know selfish reasons but just a, a no, fucking mess totally i mean it totally sucks i my birthday is tomorrow you don't have to remind mm-hmm. me of like how shitty this is to be locked <laughs> in my house i well i've been saying for a year that i wanted to be anywhere else but here and i've been saying that, like literally months i was like i'm gonna go i don't care where it is we can go on a trip i'll go out of the country i'll go on a cruise. i just don't want to be here and now i literally truly have no choice but to be here you're the most here i am the most here that i've ever been forever and i it's just you know irony is like i just want to go on a trip i just don't want to be in la and it's now it's like fuck that la you can't leave your own fucking 800 square feet (laughs) like i mean i mean just does this does this serve us right because like basically i booked a trip um to go to the on the on the bourbon trail and I in Kentucky and I had like I had like my, my buddy Mark and his wife were coming with us and they had like Mark used to own two bars in New York, so he has connections down there and like we we have I think five or seven um distilleries like on reserve, had this amazing like old like Victorian haunted house Airbnb situation because everything in Louisville is like five cents and yeah. Everything was booked and then this happened and I spent my birthday, albeit extremely, really like it was a, it was a heartfelt, amazing birthday. But like, you know, I, I postmated Chipotle <laughs> and it was awesome. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I started out being super bummed for obvious reasons, but there's something, A, there's something comforting about it's not just me. And like, I'll, I'll totally. preface this by saying like, this is first world problems. Like I'm complaining about my birthday. I'm safe at my apartment alone right. with groceries. Uh, I will say that. Totally. However, I think it's, there's something comforting about it. Like we're all in this. It's, and it's not Los Angeles and it's not America and it's not Democrats or Republicans. It's the world. And so when you think about trying to escape, I was like, where else would you be? Everywhere is going through the same thing. And there's something kind of comforting in that to me it's just it's this like FOMO remedy but like you're not missing anything because everyone's going through the same thing no totally I mean it's like it it, it's there's like um it's a collaborative effort of failure exactly (laughs) we're all miserable just it's crazy I go walking in my neighborhoods like I walk through like Hancock Park and Larchmont because neighbors like Koreatown and I literally walk in the center of the street 
Like I walk oh, yeah. down these neighborhoods because like there's like families, which is kind of amazing because you never see families anymore, like on bikes or whatever. And so that that part's incredible. But I'm literally walking on the dotted line in the middle of the road. There are no cars. Like yeah. it's it's a last man on earth kind of bullshit. It's great. I, I run around my neighborhood, which I haven't done in years. I used to all the time, like late at night, I used to run. And now you see all kinds of people out that you've never seen before. And I'm just like, oh, all of you live here. Huh, cool. Right. Hi. Hi, neighbors. Yeah. Well, and you will get this probably more than anyone. I was lamenting about my birthday and like being sad and bummed out about it. And then I started to think the pressure that I feel around my birthday is, is always like, I'm always disappointed. I always feel let down or not prioritized or like abandoned by people. Right. And that's Mm. my thing, which is why I wanted to get myself out of here and not have to deal with it. So the universe was like, Hmm, I'll show you. Um, I'm now having to deal with it in a whole different way, which is no one's going to do anything because we can't. right? Right. But then I started to think about the fact that like, you're telling me I can, have an excuse to drink at my apartment, see my friends if I choose to interact with them and mm-hmm. not put pants on. <laughs> oh my sign God. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yo, if I could, if I could, I can't even count like I, the amount of, you know, important quote unquote zoom meetings or whatever team chats I've done in like my pajamas or no pants or whatever in the past month. And like the amount of, I not like, I, I don't want to say wheeling and dealing like that's so, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like the amount of like, I guess yeah, the, the networking you do in boxers, like <laughs> the amount of career making decisions I've made in my Mickey mouse, like pajamas are kind <laughs> of like actual Mickey mouse pajamas are kind of like mind blowing. So yeah. I, I'm excited about that. <laughs> Well, in, in terms of memes coming to life, it's like, oh, all of those meetings could have been emails this whole time. <laughs> right. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. And like I saw one of my friends posted tonight. It's like, no, I don't want to have a video chat. Like, I didn't want to see you before. I didn't want you in my office. I didn't want to talk to you on the phone. What makes you think I want to, like, see where you live? Right. <laughs> like, okay, but that's a real thing. And I know, like, you're on you're on video chats a lot for, like, work and stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, connection things. There was a time at the beginning of this where I was like, okay, enough of this. I'm tired. I don't want to talk to people anymore. I want to sit on my couch in silence by myself and watch something else like it gets overwhelming even the amount of connectivity that we have via digital interface somebody i shall name no names but i was on a video chat a couple days ago and they talked for like four and a half hours and i was like what are you guys like you just sit here on these apps and talk like i have shit to do (laughs) no it's nuts like like um alina who works with me on my team um, i texted her earlier today yeah yeah, yeah. that's right you know alina and like she's amazing and she she ended up like on my birthday because she knows she knows that i would that i I would give into this because that's just who i am and it's like for better or probably worse and she's like hey one of your artists sneaks i'm sorry i know it's your birthday she texted me but like wants to speak to you right now on zoom or teams or whatever and i'm like it's a fucking sunday at like two o'clock what the hell i actually put my foot down and i'm like fuck this i'm not doing this they can fuck right off whatever and like super unprofessional stuff but it was my birthday and like and my wife no to- and a pandemic <laughs> and like i should have known it as a hint because my wife's always like don't do this and she's like dude just fucking do it yeah, i was like yeah yeah, fine. Should and I did it. Coming. And it was my entire team surprising me for happy birthday. And Aww. literally, it was amazing. And it lasted all of like six minutes. And it was fucking flawless. <laughs> 
it's like, that's like, what am, what are we supposed to do? Am I supposed to like do a dance? Like, am I waiting on somebody else to do a dance? Everybody said their piece. It was wonderful. It's all I could have ever wanted. And then it was over. And then I went about my day. I understand them. They understand me. I work with wonderful people. Next. Thank you. So awesome. (laughs) We've done, we've done a half an hour of just us talking, (laughs) which is great. But this is exactly why this was perfect because I knew we wouldn't be uh, one for things to discuss. What are we drinking? Um, I am drinking a bullet tenure. I'm drinking bullet 95. I opened a new bottle just for you because I think this was a thing. That's amazing. I um, my friend Mark got me a bottle of Pikesville Rye, which I'm not a big rye guy. I'm not and, either, but mine is also the rye. Uh, well, the Bullet Rye is delicious, but this Pikesville Rye, I, like it's the I finished it. I think the first week of quarantine on my own, and it's 110 proof, so you really can't go for it too hard when you're yeah. just alone. But it was the most delicious rye I've ever had in my life. I like the bullet rye. I'm not a rye fan either. Um, but the bullet rye, I like. It's chill. I also invested, invested. I obtained um, a bunch of these plastic ice balls that don't leak now, oh, which okay. is great. I like, I'll do whiskey like with one ice cube mm-hmm. just to like water it down, but I don't like it to get too, unless it's shitty whiskey, in which case, yeah, water it down. <laughs> But I don't want it to get too watery. So I've got these cubes that don't melt now, which is nice. You're too important for shitty whiskey. <laughs> oh, make me a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, You're too shit. important for shitty whiskey. That's great. Wait, hold on a second. All right, you wanted me on here to talk marketing, and now we're fucking talking marketing. Yes. Well, I, I, that's on my questions, too. We haven't actually started yet. So no. we'll start We'll start <laughs> at the very beginning. Who are you? Who am I? Um it's like what is the meaning of life okay (laughs) yeah who are you all right so let's let's do the the cliffs notes so i was born in north hollywood california and quickly moved to queens new york when i was five before i turned five kind of lived lived by coastally as a child but only because of divorce not because of money then um grew up in south florida in coral springs and was in a bunch of bands and worked at record stores and i think i was 18 maybe 18 and um i was the third key holder at specs music which is owned by the company that became like fye or whatever like in, in my mall and um, this guy used to come in and put posters up like every week. And I was like, he used to work at the, at the store with us. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I want to do that. And he's like, Oh, I work for, you know, universal music and video distribution. It was called a UMVD. So I found that very hilarious <laughs> and I still do. And, was, and obviously somebody else did cause they changed it about 10 years later. And, um, so uh, you know, I, I was like, shit, I, I want to come intern there. So I walked in kind of interviewed, I guess, and then started interning out of this office in South Florida. I started going to college. I, they created a job for me up there because they never had anybody in Jacksonville before. And it was like a pretty decent touring market. Cause you don't have to go to the rest of like the, the dick that is Florida. You could just literally go to Jacksonville and move on. Cause it's like, it's a pit of money loss for bands to drive all the way down to go to Fort Lauderdale and then all the way back up and then just move on. I was doing all this shit for bands and for the labels that I didn't know what I was doing, but apparently I was a marketing rep, not a college rep. I moved to New York as soon as I was done, or New Jersey, and was a field rep for Universal, and then moved right back to Florida 13 months later, 
and was uh, an artist development rep for the Island Def Jam group, which was like Rounder, Zoe, Lost Highway, Roadrunner, uh, and Island Def Jam. So I like worked hot fuss by the killers and you know like I, I swear to god like i think it was five ryan adams records in one year and all the good ones too and then like the bravery's first record and kill switch engage and all this really cool shit and then moved back to new york a year and a half not even a year and a half later to become that same job but for interscope on the rock side and it was like the last heyday of rock and interscope it was nine inch nails back queens of the stone age i i worked like some 50 cent stuff some m&m stuff but it was like snow patrol keen it was just like a really great time fontana started at that point which was universal's independent arm working with like 80 at that time i think 80 independent label groups one of those was vagrant so that'll come into play in a minute and um so I, I, I literally moved down the hall on the same floor, same people to work for Fontana and moved from New York to the Bay Area and then up to Seattle to work for Fontana in different roles with Hot Topic, Amazon, Fred Meyer, whatever. And then finally moved back to L.A. Uh, it'll be 10 years next January to do label management for like Vagrant, Ipecac, Danger Bird downtown all these really great lists psychopathic the insane clown posse's label oh, and wow. uh so i moved i moved down and literally nine business days later they fired a third of the staff and then after that a few months later ingrooves bought fontana because we were super profitable we moved up to encino and worked there for a little while and um went to go work and run uh a canadian label dynalone went to go run their u.s operations for a few years and after that, I went to go work for Interscope proper for three years, which was absolutely amazing. Got to work with the Rolling Stones and develop all these wonderful artists like Billy Rafool and Knightley, work with um, you know the Struts and all these people that have become my friends. And then as of, I think, almost 10 months ago now, which is crazy, I came over to BMG. And BMG, at, at its core, is the core team from Vagrant Records. So I, it's like these people I've known for some time, up to 20 years that are, you know, lifelong friends and, and kind of mentors. And it's been pretty awesome. And then now I, <clears throat> I sit in a closet in my house and wait for the pandemic. To... <laughs> that's, that's a sad ending. <laughs> that, was that's... A, that was the greatest seven minute answer to who are you? That's I love life. asking that question because I never know like how people are going to take it. I was assuming you were going to say, my name's Rob Gross. I'm a vice president of marketing uh, in the music industry, and I live yep. in California. Like That's what I was expecting you to say. Yeah, yeah no, I was going to we'll do that. Our life yeah, I was going to do that because I thought you were going to ask that anyway, and I figured I would <laughs> crush it at one time. We'll skip but. it. <laughs> <Back>. <laughs> So you're Rob Gross. You're the vice president of marketing. What yeah. is marketing? I mean, that's like a crazy loaded question. I mean, <laughs> I think, and, and I mean this in the simplest, most innocent kind of way that I can, because we're all prey to it. Like I, I love to fall prey to great marketing, but I think marketing is like the best way to trick you into something. Like I feel that it, like I, it's not what I set out to do, what we all set out to do, but I feel that like it's the best way it's a way to bring someone into like 
your idea. And I, I, I honestly don't know a better way to, to say it. And I love, like, I remember one time I was driving to work when I was working for Dine Alone and um, of Mice and Men were putting out a new record. And they were, and I've already, knew, I've known the band, you know, not personally, but know the music and, you know, all this for years. And I'm driving to work and I, Koreatown to Los Feliz, it's like not far. And I'm driving and I saw three different billboards, like three completely different, like, fonts photos messaging everything was different and i'm like fuck this record must mean something to this label because they just invested like a ton of time and creative and money into this i'm gonna listen to that fucking record not a fan but i went to go check it out i did not like it but the fact that like i gave i gave the full album a stream because I was so impressed by the, the the dedication they put into that campaign, or like if you see something that's wholly immersive or whatever, and you're like, I want to be part of that, or like my my ego or whatever, or my my, my sense of, of of like I don't know, my my sense of like knowing things or trying to not like be swept up by pop culture or whatever is telling me not to like this, but I fuck with this so hard. That's good marketing. Well, and that's a good way of explaining it because I. I think you and I are similar in the sense that I really respect good marketing. Like I, I respect when you make me fall for something, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I will rail against mainstream popularity contests kind of marketing, which I'm like, no, not interested. Never mind. But like if something really hooks you or really gets you interested or really does a good job of saturating a market, then I think I will give it props just because of the campaign. Like you said, totally. like regardless of the content Maisel like, was, was amazing at that. They crushed yeah. their marketing in Los Angeles. They're I'm right drinking right. out of a marvelous Maisel glass. Cause they gifted <laughs> it to me at a party right now. Literally like that's the gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. So, no, but there's like there's two sides of it. One is something that I put together, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be proud of this. And it was a team effort that came up with the the, the concept, so I'm not gonna take all of it, but whatever. I'm on the podcast, so I'm gonna take <laughs> and the other part of it was something that a coworker did. And so the, the the big picture marketing was at at um Desert Trip at Old Cella or whatever. We had this idea for the Rolling Stones where the budgets were basically kind of unlimited, was basically, okay, cool. Let's get one of those planes that has an underbelly Chiron and have them promote the Rolling Stones album during Desert Trip, but do it during Neil Young's set so he'll see it. <laughs> and and we did it and he noticed it and got pissed off about it. That's fucking perfect. The, the other side of it is I used to work with this um, woman, Hannah Gold, at, um, at Interscope, and she had this brilliant idea. I believe it was her. that Anyway, she executed it, so you know we'll give her that credit. Fuck, was it Lollapalooza, I think? Like two years ago when Billie Eilish was just like really that, – that was her artist and when Billie was really about to pop off. They had that song, You Should See Me in a Crown, and they handed out oh, yeah, like how it. many thousands of paper crowns. So when she came out and played the track, like the whole front third of the crowd is wearing the crowns, throwing them in the air, like shaking them around. It was such a fucking moment. Like you can't – I mean, yes, you can buy that because it costs money. But like you can't buy that kind of like marketing. and You can't buy that kind of just – I mean – Everything was working in the right way for that project because Billy is the genius she is, and I could go on on that for you know a tangent. But like that's just perfect. That's perfect marketing. It's so simple. Like really, like a Burger King crown. Yeah, sure, whatever. But like no, it it made every major publication and it looked impressive. It was awesome. And they, how amazing is that? Paper crowns made a yep. moment. That's the kind of uh, the kind of shit it takes. Paper. Paper. <laughs> Lots of it. So much paper. <laughs> so you have like a totally different view on 
the music industry because of working through the label system the way you have. I know from our history that you have a passion and love for music that extends beyond career path aspirations. And we'll get to that. (laughs) Has working in the industry changed your perspective on how you perceive music? I mean, you want to say no and be cool, but yeah. There's no way. Yeah, of course. There's no way. I mean, there's like, there's those moments that you just, you're never going to forget. And like, you know, like I'm listening to an artist right now. I got demos uh, today from an artist that I, it's a solo project of a band I love, his solo work I love. And, you know, I'm, I'm listening to them and I'm like, this is amazing, but what the fuck could I do with this in 2020, 2021, regardless of the pandemic? Like, this is not going to make him any new fans. He'll probably actually lose some fans because it's the same old, same old. And like, your life is so weird because I remember being at a, at a show a few months ago on a rooftop uh, at a venue and ran physically ran into him and had this like 10 minute conversation with him. And then I went home and I'm like, what just happened? I just ran into one of my favorite musicians of all time, had an adult conversation, didn't really talk business. I told him what I did after and who I worked for. And he was like, oh, amazing. We'll send the demos over. Got them today. And I'm stoked. But if I if I was to buy that record, I'd be very excited. If I was to have to work that record, not very excited. That's a very true way of looking at it. Because I I can be a fan of something while also still saying there's nothing I can do. Sadly, it's like you want to preach into the choir is amazing if you don't lose the choir. But (laughs) sorry, I'm choosing. I'm chewing my ice. Um, but this is why the, ice is not a thing. I, the, the, we, we drink differently. <laughs> but but I mean, you never want to give up your integrity because you always want to take, even if it's, you, you just never want to lose sight of that. And I, I've prided myself on trying to, to my detriment, especially in the major label system, kind of pigeonholed, put on an island in a lot of ways, which has its positives and negatives. But that passion definitely puts you, it, it could it could kind of, shoebox you and put you in this corner but at the same time that's just who i am and it's i i I can't change like i'm not this isn't like i'm 40 i'm not going to change no it's like i i don't i can't change it's not going to happen i can learn grow make mistakes not make those mistakes again etc but i'm not going to change like my, my my ethos and how i perceive music like if i don't like it i don't like it if it's fake i don't want anything to do with it how do you hear music? How do you understand it, dissect it, imbue it? Like, how do you listen to music? Let's see. Okay, that's two very different questions. Is how do I listen to music for fun and how do I listen to music for work? So yeah. listening sure. to music for fun, I'm a completist. Like, I'll, I'll add, an, even if I, it's in my phone, I'll add an entire band's discography to my Spotify or Apple Music and just go through it front to back. Mm-hmm. Even if I've done it a hundred times before, I'll do it again. And so my year end lists are very strange as far as like my most listened to whatever. Like last year it was Motorhead. Fucking love Motorhead, but not one of my top 50 favorite bands. But last year that was number one because I went through the entire goddamn catalog and they have like 76,000 albums. So, and it was awesome trip, but I listened to music to like escape and turn off i guess for the same reason people like fast and furious movies which you know are not without their merit hobbs and shaw is fucking awesome but i literally just turn off or i'll like oh my god i love that snare drum sound like holy fuck oh my god these three other hardcore bands were trying to ape that dude sound back in 1997 how did he get that piccolo snare sound? like i'm i dork out on that shit when i listen to music for work like look at a band like nightly 
fantastic fucking band. So good. They, sh- they literally shit out future classics. The thing with them is that like their target demo, and it's not that they're targeting them. This is just how they write, is for a much younger demo than me. And Absolutely. And a I, different sex. <laughs> definitely like a 70-30 split, I'm sure. And yeah. I, But I can't get enough of listening to their music. Like I literally, whenever like I would get a new demo from them, I would just freak out because it's always like a gem that gets caught in my head. And But at the same time, it's like I'm listening to it slightly differently. Mm-hmm. I think over time, now I can go back to those first nightly EPs and listen to them like I would a Slayer record because like I'm digging in. Fuck, like this is, I'm, I'm waiting for the chorus. I'm waiting for that, that breakdown mm-hmm. in the bridge or whatever. But now I'll listen to a new Sepultura song or a Slayer song and be like, when there was new Slayer music and be like, oh my God, like that riff is so sick, whatever. But with nightly, I'm like, oh right, listen to that vocal effect or listen to this. Oh, I love how they did that. This, I'm not listening to it as like a fan, you know what I'm saying? Until mm-hmm. it becomes something that I'm used to, then it's mine. Then I put it in the catalog. Then it goes in the same bin as like Pearl Jam or Soundgarden or whatever. It's, it's a weird right. way, I know, but whatever. Is music still a release and escape? Like you said, like, do you, do you still use it as? Most definitely. Yeah. All the time. Like that's, especially now working from home, like that's like my hour that I go on a walk or whatever that's my time to like put on a record and just completely like not answer email, not look at my texts, not be on Instagram. Just, I just walk and I look around at everything and I put on a record and I'm like somewhere else altogether. How do you group music for playlists? Hmm. I feel like this is, it's one of those things that you'd never think about until you do it. And I feel like it's one of those educational, it says a lot about a person. (laughs) I make playlists legitimately one way and one way only. And I, I, you have a definitive answer. And you guys are going to have to tune in on the next episode to hear Rob's very definitive answer. You can hear the rest of my chat with Rob Gross in episode two of the Research Project. <laughs>